All right, we're live. Hello, Emily. Just like I was just joking about another. Hi, how are you? I know. Hi, how are you? <laughs> just talking about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good. It's been a crazy busy week. What about you, Matt? Uh, good. Cranking. Um, yeah, all's good in my world. And thanks for chatting with me for a few. I know we just connected for the first time last week. And uh, I feel like you know, in my world, I just like so many good people, but I just like get extra excited when someone I just chat with them like, ooh, they're they're real. <laughs> Maybe it's your Midwestern vibes as well. But anyway, so it's good to connect for the first time last week and then have you on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really excited to chat all things uh, sales and CPG with you. Heck yeah. So uh, uh, if you want to share with the, the good people uh, listening, your Path, what you're up to now, your new exciting consulting world, and then we can dig into some fun questions and topics. Yeah, so um, I am honestly like kind of like a rare breed. I've actually been in CPG since the, the young age of 13. Um, I had, uh, I've, I was raised by two serial entrepreneurs who started a CPG company way back in 2003. Uh, and I, I've grown up in the world, so landed my first six-figure sales deal at 18. Uh, I, I know, you know, the accounting side, the HR side, um, supply side, I just, marketing, I've, I've kind of seen it all. The, the part that I love is sales, um, very, very sales-driven. Yeah. Driven. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I have this, like, really well-rounded aspect of what it takes to run a business, and I'm really fortunate that I've had that experience. Uh, and it's, it's served me really well. I typically like to work with um, smaller organizations that, uh, you know, need a team member to understand a lot of different aspects of business. I don't function well in like the large businesses of the world. A, a double, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I think everybody has their place and their, um, their strengths. Uh, but being just a number is definitely not one of my strengths. So I like the, the startups and the small businesses. And that's kind of what led me into consulting. I love it. Good stuff. Um, so you are dealing with like, I'm sure it's a mix, but like brands who are like concept and are like at the beginning of the process or companies who are like, yeah, what, what, what stage are most of the companies you're talking with uh, in? Yeah, most of my clients are really in that, uh, that startup phase where they don't have any employees. It's usually just the founder and a co-founder, uh, maybe somebody helping them out part-time, but most of them are fairly new. They have their product. Uh, you know, it might be arriving to their warehouse soon, and they're looking for somebody to help them get into the sales world. Like, how do I sell this product? I have this great product. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to start. I, I don't know what to price it at. And, you know, it, it amazes me uh, when people have these fantastic products and they just, they don't know uh, how to sell it, yeah. you know, and that's why I'm here. And I, I love seeing that light bulb come on. Like as soon as I talk to my clients and I just, you can see the instant that the light bulb comes on and I love it. I love, yeah. Great, great product is like 1% of the battle, maybe half percent of the battle. <laughs> It really is. Um, uh, you know, I think like marketing goes a long way, obviously in advertising, but you know, you have to have your sales strategy sales. together yeah. and understand what that looks like and understand your cost. You know, I've had clients in the past that don't understand their cost of goods or they don't, um, 
factor in freight charges with their with their own supplies like the small things that can make such a large difference in the mm-hmm. overall cost of your product and what you need to sell it at to make a profit totally so yeah that was the first thing i had written down i'm curious about the the companies the brands that you talk to what's like the most consistent thing that they often overlook Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think the the most consistent thing I see that is overlooked is the, um, the what it takes to do business with retailers. So mm-hmm. I think I, I get a lot of brands that come in and they're uh, they're kind of get the dollar signs in their eyes because obviously they're excited for this business, but they uh, they tend to think like, oh, I'm going to sell to, for example, all you know, 4,700 Walmart stores. And so I start asking them about their capacities. They start asking them um, about their co-packers and their manufacturing equipment and how many units they're doing per day or per week. And then when I start talking to them about some of like the forecasting and the the sales volume they would do with supplying a large store like Walmart, uh, all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, you know, we can't handle that. We, We can only handle X amount of units. And so um, too many people make the mistake of going in and saying, yes, we can do it and, and not hesitating. And I always tell my clients, I would much rather you be honest with your customers and say, Hey, you know, 4,500 stores is too much for us, but 500 is perfect. And then grow from there. It's so much easier to grow with a retailer than it is to overpromise, under deliver, and then get your products cut from shelves. Totally. So another this is kind of a loaded question. Well, yes and no. What do you What do you think? And I have to deal with the same thing in my world. Price uh, delivered into distribution needs to be. Let's say they want to sell it. Their SRP is four ninety nine. What do you think it needs to be in the distribution app after all the the icky upcharges and fluff along the way? So here's the thing that I tell people: um, distributors are. Up- literally a warehouse that takes your product from point A to point B. Distributors are not a sales team. Uh, they, they don't push your product. They're not an extension of your sales team. They're literally just a warehouse that will get your product where it needs to go. Um, without like putting a fine-tuned dollar amount on it, I would say most distributors ask for a 10 to 20% markup. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, depending, depending on the world, because you know, CPG, like consumer electronics is totally different than a consumable item. Um, I would say you know, 10 to 12% margin uh, should be about average, but I know that there are a lot of distributors out there that try to get more than that. Um, and my question would be why? You know, uh, what other services are, are those yeah. distributors providing for you to help grow your business? Totally, totally. So as far as, so if a brand's ready to go, and this is the stuff that gets me excited in the sales world. So brands ready to go, packaging and pricing's ready, and they're ready to launch. And they say, where, where do I go? Do I start in my own backyard with a, you know, local distributor? Do I go right to... UNFI? Do I go to Walmart? What do you recommend? And also to throw one more question, like if when shows come back or pre-COVID, you know, oh, do I spend, you know, all in 10 grand, go to Expo West? What do you, what do you recommend for a sales strategy? 
Yeah, so I think, you know, there, it, that's, a, that's a great question, and it's definitely not the same for any two clients or any two companies. Uh, some companies do really well growing organically in their own backyard, and that has a lot to do with distribution capabilities and word of mouth and, you know, local marketing. And then there are other companies that go right to, um, you know, mass retailers, and I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I really... I really like to talk to the, the founder or the owner of the company and get an idea for what their goals are. I have clients who say, nope, I only want to grow in Texas. And I have other clients who say, I want to be everywhere all the time. Um, that being said, some of the things that I have found that help brands the most typically one is ECRM. I don't know mm -hmm. if you're familiar with ECRM, but am, yes. okay. ECRM has dozens of shows a year. And the reason why I like ECRM so much is because you have dedicated time slots with so retail buyers. Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you have, uh, uh, you know, those dedicated appointments, 10 to 20 minute appointments, and you're going to meet with your buyer from, you know, Whole Foods or Target or uh, you know, Walmart, Publix, like whatever that looks like. Whereas a trade show like an Expo West or something yeah. along those lines, you're literally just sitting in a booth and hoping somebody stops. Yes. And when you're talking about spending ten to $20,000, wouldn't you much rather have, you know, a, 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 an appointment book with all of these buyers who you are going to build direct relationships with instead of just hoping uh, somebody stops I, to talk to you? I, I agree. I just did an ECRM style uh, trade show show uh, last week, and it was yeah six twenty minute slots with the buyer, and so it was over two hours, and it was amazing. We got to send samples in beforehand. And it was just like efficient and great and really yeah. good value. Yeah. So I definitely I definitely recommend those shows, and ECRM is really good about you know, trying to give some discounts to smaller companies and getting them in um, in a cost-effective manner. But when you're talking even $7,500 to $10,000 at ECRM versus $10,000 at Expo West, you'll get definitely more bang for your buck. Another thing that I always recommend to my clients is getting set up with Range Me. Mm -hmm. um, and Range Me is actually owned by ECRM. So Ooh, they, they kind of go hand. Yeah, yeah. And so they kind of go hand in hand. But the thing about Range Me is um, it's really like a necessary thing. And that's not to say that you can't get, um, you know, distribution and get your product in front of buyers without Range Me because you absolutely can. There's still a world for cold calling and cold prospecting. It's, uh, you know, what it is, is there are a lot of retailers anymore that they will not look at product outside of a review schedule. And what Range Me does is it's like uh, Facebook fell in love with LinkedIn and they had a baby and it's Range Me. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a, you know, a profile for your business and they, uh, you know, they kind of help uh, bridge that gap between buyers and brands, giving out the review schedules, um, you know, letting you know when you should submit your products. Uh, buyers are able to contact you with questions. You're able to send samples. It's just, it's one of those necessary things um, that companies need to invest in. And mainly because a lot of the retailers out there won't even accept things that don't go through range me. Totally. I, I feel range means great. Uh, I feel like it's definitely more of a retail thing. I'm kind of, kind of grateful that it hasn't really entered food service yet. Compass is now leaning on uh, Range Me. I'm, uh, yeah, I feel like Range Me is 
serves its perfect purpose. And I don't know if I want to do food service. It would kind of scare me a little bit because I'm used to just like the wild west of just like reaching out whenever. And I would just be like, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would be a little bummed if someone was like, oh, we just go through this portal, but it obviously has its place. Yeah, and you know, being in the um, the CPG space for well over a decade now, um, and seeing Range Me come out of nowhere the last couple of years and really curb this this market, I have seen a lot of retailers who previously accepted things, uh, you know, at any time, just say no, we're going through Range Me. But I, I will say this. Um, it has become a lot more streamlined. So when you're in, when you're running a small organization and you are literally doing the job of six people because you don't have the bandwidth to hire somebody right now, mm -hmm. uh, Range Me really does streamline the process on both ends as far as you know, saving you time from having to go to an individual website, try to find the review schedule, or try to find like, how do I submit product? What forms do I need to complete? You know. It, you can spend hours and hours and hours doing that for one retailer where mm -hmm. if you have your page built out on range me um, and it, and totally. it shines, you know, all you do is click a button, send a message and you've submitted your product. So it definitely streamlines the process, but also don't expect to get into every retailer you submit product to and don't expect to hear back from 75% of them either through range me. So it's, it's definitely got its place in the world, like you said. Yeah, yeah, so uh, many other things I'm curious about. So what do you tell people, we'll set rooted food sales uh, to the side and uh, so we're food service, so we're talking more, you know, your retail world. What do you tell people who are just starting out about brokers? Um, you know, I, I kind of lump, I typically lump um, brokers and distributors and um, agencies kind of all into one. It really depends, again, going back to strategy for yeah. the company. So if the company is looking to develop in their own backyard, like regional, and they're wanting to go into um, kind of those niche markets that have one freestanding store, uh, I tell them, like, you absolutely need to get some sort of outside sales rep who is boots on the ground, walking into these stores, talking to the managers and the owners, and selling your product. Uh, if you're looking at more of like an, a national um, approach to like mass market, you know, brokers and outside sales reps, they have their place, they have the connections, they can walk into a uh, a headquarter and say, Oh, Hey, Jimmy, how you been? It's been, mm -hmm. you know, a week since I've been here pre COVID. Um, Hey, who's the buyer for so-and-so? And Jimmy's like, Oh, Hey, yeah, it's, it's this person. And they have those relationships and they, they can make the connections a lot faster than what a brand can do individually. Um, but it, it depends because some brokers, they work on these insane retainers that are like $5,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And then you have other brokers who they just work on commission and they do all the development work kind of for free and then hope that they, uh, they gain that profit back through commissions. Mm -hmm. Totally. A um, couple more fun questions, but um, what, just in general with all the, the, the different brands and founders that you're talking to, what else have you just found of, interest um over your months and years um you know i i think that what i find interesting is 
the, the concepts behind why a product was created. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I see these products and I think to myself, uh, you know, well, what solution is this, you know, really providing or how are you going to fare against competition? You know, what, what exactly Mm -hmm. are you thinking? And sometimes what I find, you know, the best thing to do is to have a brainstorming session uh, with the brand and say, okay, like really explain to me where you're going with this and what your Mm -hmm. thought is. And like, I, I have to dig deep sometimes to understand what the passion is behind the product, why the product was created. Because if, you know, you have to be able to convey that to your audience. You have to be able to sell your product to any audience with the passion that it is the best thing in the entire world. Uh, And if you can't even figure out, you know, the, the, um, the, yeah, the, the founder or the yes. owner can't even figure out how to sell to me and explain yeah. to me why it's great, then, you know, that, that's going to be a challenge. Totally. Nothing is more enjoyable uh, to me than that initial call with a brand. Like any brand, even if I honestly don't really think it will be a fit for my world, just, just to hear their story of why the brand and line of products was created and just their path. Uh, leading up to the conversation is fascinating to me. It's so it's so fun and interesting. It really is, and um, I like hearing the passion behind it. Mm-hmm. You can tell how invested somebody is in their product and in their company by the way they speak about it. And I've definitely seen, uh, you know, a few individuals who you can tell they just aren't really sure. They're just not 100% sure about where they're going and why. But I would say, you know, over 80% of the people I talk to, you can immediately tell how passionate they are. Totally. And that's why I like having the conversation with initial conversation with any brand, because even if I'm like, this brand may be a fit, I'm not really sure. After hearing their story and hear them really talk about the attributes and why their brand has a place in the market. After 15 minutes, I'm like, Oh, I thought this brand was a C and now I'm completely fired up and I actually think it's an A. Right. Exactly. And I, I try so hard. Um, you know, I have, I have so much on my plate as do we all. And I try so hard never to decline a call Mm -hmm. because you just don't know where things are going to go. And if, if it's not a right fit now, you know, it could be the right fit for a year later, or maybe you refer them to somebody who would be a better fit for them. Totally. What do you, you might not know the answer to this one, but what do you think uh, are, you know, so many different like big attributes, whether it's keto, vegan, local, if that's the case, gluten-free, is there any new trends that you've seen that are, uh, that are presenting themselves? Um, like newer uh, within the past year has really been a huge shift to plant-based instead mm-hmm. of vegan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see a lot more brands coming out with plant-based instead of vegan. And, and the reason for that being is because people are realizing that vegan isn't necessarily the healthiest diet, not that it's unhealthy, but there are a lot of foods out there that are considered vegan because they don't contain animal products or animal byproducts, but they're actually really, really bad for your health. They're they're weird and unhealthy and the ingredient list is super long and you're like, but it's so funny though. And by funny, I mean, not funny at all. As like an avid uh, ingredient uh, reader, label reader is like, how much marketing matters. Like I'm not going to name the brand, but obviously some of the newer burger companies, plant-based burger companies, we're just like the front of the packaging matters so much where it's 
like sad in a way that people don't actually look at the ingredients. Um, but that yeah. just shows the power of marketing. Yes. So um, I've seen like a massive shift into plant-based versus, you know, vegans mm -hmm. kind of totally. on the back burner. And then, you know, keto is still really, really big, yes. uh, you know, with weight loss, especially. And uh, I, I was on a webinar just a few weeks ago with the, um, like the CEO of Range Me. And he was talking about how the two biggest uh searches right now on range me are still keto and mm -hmm. cbd and the, the kind of internal it. running joke with range me is if you could create a uh -huh. keto cbd product that you'd Let's be like a millionaire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i'm pretty sure cbd is keto yeah. already but like if we need to add that to the label let's it's, go for it it's 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 so fascinating like where trends come from and like things that aren't even in our head now like a year will be huge like even like I'm not too big of a drinker but like even like seltzer like spike seltzer like wasn't a thing and now like everyone's in it and they're just like it's just like so fascinating how how trends just appear and then just become this massive thing yeah and it's it's really one of those things that like you never know what you need until you see it yeah. because mm -hmm. i have to admit i am a huge hard seltzer drinker like not i, I say huge like what, i'm what, saying i have what, a problem which, what, but no which, which is your brand of choice uh my my brand of choice is actually like the off label white claw mm -hmm. um but i have to say i'm so excited for topo chico to come out yeah um, my my husband is um half is half uh latino and his mom who um was originally from mexico she loves topo chico and she got me kind of hooked on it when i was pregnant with my son a few years ago and so i am like really excited for topo chico to come out with a hard seltzer because their their seltzer is just something else it's, so, it's, it's awesome it's so good i splurge for it when i'm at spindrift that's when i'm at when i used to carry spindrift when i'm at chipotle i splurge for topo <laughs> yes. chico yes. can i tell you my ideal booze as like an old man who likes clean label i want to exist an organic, actual, clean label, like 2% beer. Like not non-alcoholic, like a two, two and a half percent. That's on my random wish list. Huh, yeah, I, I bet somebody out there is like in the, in the works of creating something like that. I could see it. <laughs> um, so besides Topo Chico, who are your, uh, and I'm excited because I'm gonna answer this as well. Who are your like brand crushes where they're like, you're just like proud to have it in your fridge or if you're just like, drinking it or eating it or consuming it in front of people you secretly feel kind of cool because you think the brand's so amazing uh, you know like not to sound silly but some of those are like my my current clients because i love their brand so much mm -hmm. and i believe in their brand so um one of my current clients emily's food they make a plant-based icing and like literally a plant-based icing and it tastes amazing nice. And it's, you know, it's toppy allergen free. It's um, like plant-based. It's just so, it's so good with like some pretzels or an apple, even like spread it on pancakes, uh, whatever your heart desires. Um, I also really love green mustache. They have these mm. vegan, they're like vegan um, 
kind of quote unquote cheddar crackers. And I go through a bag of those and my son goes through a bag of those like every day. They're fantastic. Uh, so those are like two huge brands that I'm into right now. And I'm constantly getting uh, samples of product that I just fall in love with. And I end up becoming a consumer myself. Se secretly the best part of our job is uh, samples. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I, I can't tell you how excited I get when I like arrive home and there's just, I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that new sample yes. I get to try with myself and possibly the family, but maybe just me. Um, yeah. It's a fun. I actually, I actually just got a really cool box of samples the other day from a company called brew bike. Uh, they actually, yeah. um, they have like coffee carts yeah, at familiar. colleges and okay. Yeah. And they, and, but the students like run this as their own business. So they're learning all these business skills. Well, because of COVID and school shutdowns, they've decided to pivot to retail fairly soon. And so they sent me some samples after I spoke with them. Uh, Lucas, the, the founder is fantastic. And, uh, I got these samples and I'm like cold brew coffee. Like I'm a huge coffee drinker, mm -hmm. usually drink it warm though. And I'm like, let's give this a try cold brew coffee. And the first sip I took, I was like, Oh my gosh. And there are these like little, basically coffee bags, these pre-made cold brew coffee. You just put it in water and let it steep overnight and you nice. have your coffee in the morning and awesome. nobody else is doing it. It tastes yeah. great. The ingredients are clean. Like they've just nailed it and I cannot wait for them to get into retail. That's awesome. Yeah. My, if I could get free samples of any product for life as I probably would choose like a fancy cold pressed juice, but it would probably like Spindrift. I just like, will never get over. Spindrift is just like my favorite product. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I haven't had Spindrift. Oh my goodness. I don't know if it's more of a Northeast thing. It's just like premium, different than any other uh, sparkling water out there. And it's just, it's just, I love their branding. It's so good. It feels whole experience feels like special with the brand and their flavors are amazing. Okay, I'm seriously, I'm like on their website right now and I'm going to have to order some because my husband, he is obsessed with uh, LaCroix and we go uh, through like yeah. cases uh, a week. Okay. Uh, yeah, to, to keep, to keep sticking with the, the booze thing, LaCroix is like the, the, the ice house or natty light compared to, uh, Spindrift is like the premium craft. Okay, brew. I'm going to have so to order good. some. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, so, um, all right, cool. Well, that was 30 minutes. Uh, thanks uh, for having a ch fun chat with me about our crazy world. I love uh, I love our space and it's, uh, it's crazy and there's just so many moving parts and different layers and it's just interesting to just like slowly unpack it. It's fun for me, so thanks for joining. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And um, if anybody wants to talk to me and potentially, you know, become a client or just get some of my, um, my knowledge, please look me up on LinkedIn for Emily Gillum. Um, my, my company name is Bloom Consulting, B-L-O-O-M-E, Bloom Consulting. And the spelling of your last name? My spelling of my last name, Emily Gillum, it's G-I-L-L-A-M. Sweet. Sweet. All right. Good stuff, awesome. Emily. Enjoyed chatting. Have a Thanks, good rest of the day. Uh, talk soon. Bye. Bye.